Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 3. This is the way. Welcome back to Watch Club. Happy May the 4th. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episodes 5 to 8, playing a bit of catch-up here. But if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched the rest of this season yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Uh, Now, let me introduce you to my fellow Mandalorians joining me for this episode. First up, he's the juxtapositional Django Lovin' Jar Jar Justifying Jawa Junkin' Justin the Lumpawaru Lawrence. What up? How are we today? Dude, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uh, fuzzy, you know, like a Lumpawaru. I'm sure you feel that way all the time, Justin. I feel like a lumperoo right now. Jeez, it's been so long. I've been just itching, itching to talk about. That's what I'm these saying, episodes. man. So I'm, right? I'm, I'm sure that I'm, guy's I'm, pretty itchy. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready. Stoked to chat. But uh, listen, we have another uh, Mandalorian joining us alongside him. He's the daring and delightful, dynamically insightful droid, loving Darcy, the damaged Dank Saber Hudson. A damaged? Yeah, really? you're, like, you're sounding a bit damaged I, right now. That's why. I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> or I, well, I mean, that way. I wasn't going to say destroyed. I mean, I know that's kind of what happened, okay. but I, you know, I took it back a little bit. I took it back a little yeah. bit. I don't know. I just I felt attacked there, man. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I just crushed you with my my Beskar fist. Uh, but listen, guys, we have so much to chat about. Uh, we obviously Darcy and I. Um, both traveled across Europe, uh, heading to Star Wars Celebration. Uh, we also took some time to hit up uh, Amsterdam and then went to Disneyland Paris. And then Darcy just got back from Barcelona as well. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's uh, we're, we're both sort of feeling it. We're recovering because I think, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Darcy, but like the Mandalorian, I don't think we really go on vacation. We go on adventures. Oh yeah, there is it, more steps are achieved on these trips than than any other time of the year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I need so. vacation when I get back from the vacation. That's it. That's like, it. <laughs> we almost need to plan uh, two vacations. But uh, as I said, we've got so much to go over. Um, no more dilly dallying. Justin's like, listen, he's he's itching like a lump of roux over there. Uh, <laughs> so let's get Let into it. Let me relieve it. this itch, please. We've got we've got <laughs> we've got four episodes to get through. This is going to be a little different. If you've joined us for our watch clubs uh, in the past, where we've sort of done a breakdown episode to episode, we've got so much to cover. So we're just going to kind of just react and talk about the moments as they sort of happen. I've kind of got some key moments uh, listed throughout. And so let's get to it. Let's start with uh, episode five, uh, chapter 21, The Pirate, directed by Peter Ramsey. Um, And I got to say, this episode was freaking awesome. Awesome. Uh, I think it was a really, really great highlight in this season. Uh, and we started off with uh, with Gorian Shard 
kind of as a giant hollow projection, uh, projecting in, talking to uh, Grief Karga. Um, and I loved how they sort of did this here with that effect where he's he kind of looks much bigger uh, than he than he normally does. They've done this in the past with with other villains, right, to kind of make them a little bit more imposing. But I felt like his um, the way they sort of showed him in this scene kind of matched the presence of his ship just outside, which is like kind of overlooking the, the, the city yeah, of Navarro, shadowing. overshadowing yeah, yeah. the city of Navarro. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool yeah. choice, uh, you know, kind of visually. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's that This is the episode that we were all waiting for because when we were introduced to Gory and Shard, we thought like, He's got to. He's got to come back. He's Seaweed Salad back. Man needs to come back. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mixed green, so man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a really fantastic um, uh, Anansi does. Like with um, what he does the with voices. his with his voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if that was him in the suit, in the green suit, or not. But um, but I, I really, really. Is. I think it's actually. I, it. I think it's the same character who plays um, Chrysanthemum. Oh, Chrysanthemum. Fantastic stuff. Um, I mean, Carson Teva, a big focus in this episode, um, or Teva. I'm not sure how you want to pronounce that, but so phenomenal to have him back. I think Paul Sun Young Lee is is always a delight. Anytime we get to see him show up in the series, he's he's such a huge geek. He's such a huge Star Wars geek, and so every time I see him, it sort of like feels like I'm like it's one of us who's who's broken through to the other side of this uh, of this galaxy and i just i love that he's from toronto and and it's just it's so heartwarming to see him anytime he's on the show and i i love the idea to think that like he's going to be uh, i think an even bigger part of uh, the next season oh, yeah. based off of what we've seen think, in these episodes uh-huh. yeah I, I, we haven't really you know obviously there's more episodes to get through but clearly it seems like the new Republic show that was supposed to star uh, Gina Carano. Now it seems like Paul Sun Hyung Lee's uh, Carson Tiva is going to be leading uh, this this storyline, which I'm okay with. I'm I'm completely fine with. I think it's so great to see a fan of Star Wars in this show, and I, and I look forward to seeing more of him. Uh, in in future episodes, especially if they go down the route of really focusing the show on his character of of Carson Tiva. Yeah, no, he's he's honestly he's such a a delight. I think it was also great to see some other uh, <clears throat> rebel or I guess New Republic uh, pilots uh, in this episode. I think it's extra frustrating. Um, you know, after the interview that we did, Justin, with with you, you know, or. Um, spoke with uh, Rick Femiua where he told us to keep our eyes peeled and that we'd see, you know, we'd probably see Jib Dodger somewhere. And, you know, you and I were both like, okay, we're on Jib Dodger Dodger watch for the rest of the watch club, not really realizing in that moment that we were going to be taking a break. And for us to take a break right before he shows up in the series was the worst, but it was so great to see him. Deborah Chow as Sash Ketter, Dave Filoni as Trapper Mm -hmm. Wolf. And it just makes perfect sense to see them at the Adelphi base. I was just so freaking delighted to see that moment. Yeah. When we looked back and we were watching it, you're like, oh, he's wearing his hat. Like, Filoni is wearing <laughs> his hat. Yeah, his signature hat. Like, and, it's, and it's funny, too, because I think at Celebration on the live stage, he was talking about how he doesn't have that hat. Right? Like, that, that is a prop hat. That that's not his. So I'm just like, I'm like, that's hilarious. They, like, they designed a, a specific Trapper Wolf a uh, hat for him for his costume. I love so it's it. just it's it's all very fitting. <laughs> so good. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um and then I mean Darcy, let's let's talk about this here. Zeb. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for it, man. Dude, what a phenomenal moment. You hear 
you hear Steve Bloom's voice, and apparently he did the mocap for the face as well. Um, absolutely looked phenomenal, Darcy. You know, so what, what were good. your thoughts? What was going so through your head when you saw that? I was freaking out. I mean, I was watching the episode with my mom, and she, having never watched the animations, animated side of Star Wars, is like, "Why are you so excited?" I'm like, "Because it's it's Zeb. You have to be excited for Zeb. It was <laughs> yeah. so good. It's yeah. so fulfilling to see him done so well. Like, I, yeah. I have high hopes for the Ahsoka series because hopefully we'll see more of him because he looks incredible. Yeah, yeah. I think it's without a doubt we'll probably see more of him in Ahsoka, even if it's like for an episode or something, because it's interesting the way they introduced him here. He's obviously a pilot working with the New Republic, but even in this moment, it seems as though he's casting doubt on the New Republic and their ability to take ownership and actually do their job in this galaxy, right? So I feel like in, in a lot of ways, he's going to be a part of the next rebellion, which I know is going to be the resistance. Um, so I'm very excited to see it. I also love the fact that he's he's on his own. Uh, there's no one else from uh, Rebels that we, we, we see. So it really does lead me to believe that the entire team from Rebels has divided. Because uh, even in the trailer that we got for Ahsoka, it does seem like Sabine and Ahsoka are meeting again or reconnecting. Uh, so there must be some time that's passed. And I'm wondering if we're going to, you know, kind of realign with everyone across the galaxy through the episodes of Ahsoka and see where everyone is. So I'm really excited to see how Zeb finds his way with connecting back with with Sabine and Ahsoka, especially Sabine, because like they were brother and sister in Rebels. So, yeah, love seeing him in this in this episode. Well, and all, with all these these sort of rules that uh, that the New Republic seems to have in terms of how they operate, you know, it, it, seeing Zeb as as a part of that seems he seems like he's more in the Carson Teva camp of like this New Republic doesn't really yes. know what's going on. And he does. Yes. And I think yes. that's a great sort of um, point is that like we would never I don't I don't think we would ever see Ahsoka, um, you know, wanting to necessarily work alongside the New Republic specifically. But. You know, Zeb will get Sabine would want her to, yeah, would work with Zeb. So Zeb Zeb is a great sort of in between uh, for those two parts of the galaxy. Yeah, I think I think he's going to come in handy. We will see him interact with live action Sabine. A hundred percent. I just just don't know. It's the next season of Rebels. That's all it It is. It it is the follow up to Rebels. Just admit it, Dave. Yeah, we get it. (laughs) And I'm I'm totally in for it because like it's it's so good. But, you know, it could be a mission. Do you know what I mean? It could be like, you know, Sabine's like, well, we got to we got to find Zeb. Right. And then that's an episode. Right. Because uh, the the animation for uh, uh, Zeb was unbelievable. Like so you see good. people breaking it down and like focusing on like his forehead and like the facial twitch, like the way his face re- is reacting before saying anything like he's the way his the animation makes it look like he's processing the what what's what he's being told it's it's so well done that's gotta be expensive though like that's you know what, what i was I mean? thinking like, like that's yeah, one so like, scene justin exactly. you know can they so do that for they could do that for an episode they can't i don't know if like my thing is is that if you used to say okay we're gonna have him in for the entire season no. Do you know what I mean? That's I just don't think that that's 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 feasible. You'll see him throughout the season that could probably make up a good chunk of of their of their production budget. But, you know, again, uh, I was I was hooting and hollering. I was like, oh, my God, I was shocked and I was very excited because it's it's, you know, it's just another sign that we're getting closer to seeing a live action reunion of probably the best animated 
Star Wars TV show. Well, and I'm, you know, part of me really wants that to happen with with Ahsoka. I am wondering though if maybe maybe they would they would tease it but hold off until the the Filoni movie. Uh, and maybe we—that's where we actually get to see that reunion take place. I could see with uh, a budget, with a movie budget, though, uh, that could maybe afford us a little bit oh, yeah, more time with a character like that, for sure. And that could afford us more money to to actually that's what have I mean. Seb yeah. in, involved in 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 the storyline. But I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe you're right. Like, we see them working together in the movie. But you know, the biggest the biggest shame is of of the sequel trilogy is not having Han, Luke, and Leia on the same screen together. <laughs> so this is Dave making up for it like he well, always that, does. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, I'm like, if you're giving us enough of it, like, give us at least <laughs> that moment where they're yeah. together, all yeah. of them, right? And I think that that would have that 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 works. So, um, yeah, we'll 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 see we'll we'll see what's to come. But to have Zeb here, to put him here as the character that that Carson is is talking to was was perfect it was it was absolutely perfect it was a perfect way to reintroduce us to him and both both him and uh carson a really great sort of opposite to tim meadows uh who sh- shows up in this show uh not you know one of the the uh probably the the easiest cameos that we're going to be talking about uh in this series but uh tim meadows shows up and basically tells carson like the, Re- the new republic's too busy right now take a number you know, we'll get back to you. We'll see what we can do eventually. Um, and it's it's such a perfect character for, for Tim Meadows to play. Um, but it's another example of kind of what we've just been talking about, like how foolish the New Republic, you know, kind of was and why the First Order was able to rise up. And you can sort of see that they're losing sight of what actually matters, which is helping people. Uh, and I love how Carson in this episode is 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 basically playing. He's He's all of us. He's all of us sort of watching this unfold and saying, like, why are you turning into the thing that destroyed you, right? And and you had to fight so hard to get back from. And and I, I love that. I love that about this sort of juxtaposition of, of him working for this ultimately what feels like a new empire, uh, in a in a in an yeah, interesting way. It's slowly slowly becoming that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very clear that, you know, like we were, like I was saying before, you know, the idea that the New Republic has taken such a focus uh, in this in this se- season, um, and we're seeing not just not the good, we're seeing the bad of of the New Republic and how they've kind of, as you said, starting to slowly become the thing that they were trying to destroy because they feel some sense of responsibility of of I guess cleanup while also, you know, affirming their position as a New Republic as as the next. Uh, iteration after the empire that's there to as you said help in air quotes the galaxy but they're they're missing the opportunity so yeah it is it, it it's you can see through through carson again the way seb is so dialed in with his his response of oh yeah they're, they're not going to help you like how he he recognizes you see another rebellion sort of like kind of like seeding here like well if they're not going to do it then then we're going to have to do something right and and i think this is where we get the resistance do you know what i mean like the resistance is what's going to be kind of borrowed burrowed out of out of this this sort of thing and I, I i think it's great that in some ways like zeb and 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 the characters from rebels were in, integral to the rebellion you know here they are being integral to the resistance you know what i mean that will inevitably come and it's a great sort of um i think that the scene with with him kind of getting the take a number and we'll see what we can do to then to to see paz 
standing up and rallying for Din and Bo and basically just stepping up and vouching for them and saying, like, listen, if you if we don't help them, can we can we really call ourselves Mandalorians? In that moment in the cave, I was like, hell yes, like let's freaking go, Paz. And like I I I I really did think that this might have been a moment that we'd finally see Johnny Favs take his, his helmet off and reveal himself. Um alas, I don't I guess we'll we'll never get that and we'll get to that later. But uh but I did think that was a really fantastic moment of just sort of this this really you know uplifting moment to see uh and i did sorry uh oh, i just i was gonna let darcy go did you have anything to say that's what i was gonna no okay okay cool, cool. i'm i'm we're, uh we're on hand well, system I, so i'm trying to make yeah, sure exactly yeah no um you know pat that moment with paz is is really integral because it shows again like you said the unity that that you know the mandalorian have to support one another Yet this hierarchy political system that is trying to clean up some evil, evil array of of the empire, you know, can't, can't be bothered, can't be bothered, cannot be bothered. And and I think yeah. that that just goes to show, especially for how much time we've spent with, you know, uh, is it the children of the watch? Is that what they're called? They're, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Yeah. This, for as much time as we've been spending with the children of the watch, you know, we understand in this moment. Yes, this is this is the logical solution this is what they should be doing right they they they're not the type of people that cower and hide right they they help those in need and that's why that's how they've been able to be so yeah how how they've been able to grow so yeah it's it was a it's an interesting contrast and it 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 also makes sense as to why carson would seek out uh you know the man uh, to seek out din to get to see, to get his help, and I love that he used the R five unit. Like he hacked the R five unit. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I found him because of you. <laughs> Poor R <R5>. five. <laughs> like he's like, but don't you, rat me out, jeez. <laughs> when you think about it, R five is always is always there. He's always the one that's uh, at the pivotal moments that we need. Uh, we need him. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, kind of the the rallying that attack that they they kind of go to to fight against these pirates, this pirate attack uh, on Navarro. Absolutely unbelievable. Yo, some I mean, of the, the moments, best dogfights, man. Like, unbelievable. Insane aerial combat. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that that uh, there's a actual, like, a, the, the, the little Disney callback to the Ugnaught that's dressed as Smee. Like, there's literally... <laughs> A Captain Hook and a Smee in this episode, which was absolutely perfect. Um, and the you know that moment with the armor, just just with her hammer, was so dope. And I love how kind of this entire sequence shows again when Mandalorians work together, they are incredibly strong. And it reminded me this this part of the episode really reminded me of probably one of my favorite moments in season one, the episode that was directed by Deborah Chow. Um, I think where where they all sort of came together to 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 you know rescue Din, I thought was absolutely phenomenal, and and this this whole sequence was just such a fun highlight. Darcy, what did you think of the pirate attack? It was great, like you said. This this fight was a standout moment from the season because it was very speckled through with the action scenes we got, but this I feel like was the payoff we were all waiting for yeah. because, like you said, incredible dogfights, amazing Mando you know, strike team action happening as they're taking out the pirates as they move through the streets. It was, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, the way so they cut good. together the the air combat with what was going on on the ground, you know, the, the way they, they, they managed the tension 
with with Paz and when he was you know basically uh, pinned down um, and how the armorer comes in you know again not using I will talk about it more but she doesn't use blasters makes me think no. you know, like I'm wondering if like does she have a, a thing with blasters like is you know what I mean like in the sense of like how Din had a thing with with robots uh, sorry with droids I mean, do you know what I mean like is there is there something there that 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 could be my order. I'm thinking that if these these hammers and tools can shape Beskar, they're probably pretty tough. I, oh, for sure, I they're guess. definitely like they're like, they're heavy ass weapons. But again, it was all it was all really nice to see, as you said, Nate. This is the moment that really cemented what the season was about. Uh, you know, Mandalorians are stronger together. They work together, and they they can look past their differences, and they can look past their pride because you know, again, the last time they were on Navarro, they were fighting. Grief Karga. Do you know what I mean? So they're now coming to save him. And I think that that's, 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 you know, incredibly powerful. And yeah, the dogfight, man, the dogfight in the sky was some of the best. The way Din is just murking those, those little, those ships and he's just weaving through them. And then he's giving callbacks to, to Bo. And it was just, it was, it was great. It was some, some great combat. I thought it was more fulfilling than the actual finale. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I would. I would. I would go so far as to agree with that. I think. Yeah. Um, I think the the armor. Um, just to call back there to to her using those hammers. I think it was also symbolism too, right? In the sense that, like you were saying, Darcy, like she uses it to to forge. She uses it to create. She can also use them to destroy. And I think that's freaking awesome and she's such a badass she's and not Emily a terminator Swallow man is, no she is a terminator she's a freaking <laughs> dun, 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 dun. dude she shows up with those hammers and i'm sorry people are gonna get wrecked um you know i we did she get a chance the guy to see too. she pinched him right she oh, pinched him with this thing <laughs> she pinch me whenever she wants uh oh, but the 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 uh the i think the the moment with vain vain uh dipping Vane getting the the heck out of there. Um, a lot of people thinking he's going to show up in Skeleton Crew, and I think I think it would be really dope if he did. I think Skeleton Crew is 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 perfect. You know, um, with pirates as the adversaries for this Amblin Goonies style show, I think could really work. And I would love the idea that Vane would be like, "Well, listen, my 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 new boss is dead. I'm going to go back to my old boss, and who is oh. it? Hondo, Hondo Onaka showing up in Ooh, Skeleton yes. Crew would be." Perfect, yeah. dude. It would be yes. absolutely perfect. No, he, I think he's he's that kind of. I think these both him and Gorian Shard share this sort of similar idea of like silly, but also still fits really well within Star yeah. Wars, and yeah, I no, love the, that. Again, it's we'll talk about it in the next episode. Oh, we're gonna get silly in the next episode. Yeah, but sure. like I'm, I think like some things like that need to stay. Like I honestly, as many as 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 many people will say things about Gorian Shard, I like the character. I thought he was interesting, and yeah, he's a chuckle. But that is Star Wars. Like to me. When you see a character like that, that is that is Star Wars. It's just like that that sluggy snail thing that was on the Millennium Falcon uh, in uh, Rise of the Skywalker. Like, I barely remember what? that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's just like fixing. He was barely in it, but like the yeah. idea that like there's always been these like really kooky, yeah, of course, oddball choice. Uh, you know, looks to some of the these, entire these cantina. <laughs> exactly, the entire cantina was made up of of like old costumes, yeah, that were repainted noodles. and redesigned, and, and and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's completely it's completely fine. I I would like it though if if they are going to bring Hondo, as you said, 
bring him back in because I thought it would have been great to you know have him in this as maybe an alliance to Din to take down Gory and I thought that would have been really cool if we could see something like that like in the wishful thinking side of my head but uh, to have you know now Gorian gone you know there is there is an opportunity now to bring back Hondo and maybe there's a territorial fight right and then he Dude, ends up helping the kids I'm, I'm like so I'm down like I'm I'm like I'm totally down to see some some Han, Hondo Hanaka in the in the Star Wars live action let's let's go Hondo Mondo um there you go that's the word the Hondolorian so <laughs> I'm a Hondolorian I am a Hondolorian um, <laughs> I love it. Um, but speaking of 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 you know mandos and, and helmets uh, being taken off, uh, I don't know if we did say that, but I'm trying to transition here. Um, you know, I think <laughs> the armor asking Bo to take her helmet off uh, to rejoin the the ranks of of the various Mandalorians. What did you? Why do you think she asked her to to take her helmet off? Like, what was the reasoning behind that? I feel like that was more, again, the whole message of the season is that Mandalorians are stronger together and it doesn't necessarily mean that all Mandalorians need to be like but believing it, in the same thing yeah. or to the same extent. Yeah, like, You're a Mandalorian if you believe in the Creed, but to what extent doesn't really matter anymore. You can be the, the children who watch extremists or you can be the more modern, you know, clan cries and stuff like that. So. Mm, yeah, but it's, it's interesting because this was like a red herring for me because I was like, Okay, yo, I, I was thinking that Bo was going to kind of come in here and stir shit up uh, against the armor, but now I'm thinking, is the armor stirring up shit now with with Bo? Right? Like, this was the first inclination. I was like, what is she doing here? But I get it. Like, I, I understand. Like, maybe in some ways, from her interaction with, with Bo, the armor is now woke, woken to a new idea of what Mandalore and Mandalorian look like. Uh, and what it can be, and, and that she is the strength that can unify, which is why she says, you know, it doesn't necessarily apply to you. But that said, the fact that we, 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 she basically like shunned out Din and said, oh no, you're you're not a Mandalorian anymore, you know, and he goes and he has to do his whole pilgrimage to 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 Mandalore and bathe in the the waters and to be redeemed and stuff like that. But then she's like, no, take your helmet off. You've it does feel a little bit loose, right? Like it feels yeah, a little it, bit. It, it, it odd. just doesn't it just feels like an odd odd choice to make so for me that was kind of that's where that red hand came in where i was like is there an alternative intention here is there something that's going on right is she is she like quietly saying you're not mandalorian do you know what i mean so take your helmet off right in in a, mm. in a sort of like disrespectful way and i, I was thinking and we'll, we'll discuss that this would you know kind of come to some sort of uh conflict between the two um Sadly, it did not. So. It did not. Um, and you know, another conflict that we didn't see was uh, what we would have to assume would be the escape of Gideon. I guess um, Carson Tiva discovers an abandoned Lambda shuttle uh, at the end of this episode and sees some Beskar, but no, no Moff Gideon. Um, I gotta say, for the for this ending of this episode, I, I love the way it was shot. Uh, very alien esque with the scanning and. Um, I got to say, like, the one thing I noticed, and Darcy, correct me if I'm wrong, but that little thing that comes out of the astromech droid, that the like the little flap that kind of lifted up and then floated out. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Is that normally what that, that part of the droid is for? Is, is like, a probe thing? I feel thing? like I've seen it in some some other media. Like, I feel like it might have been a comic thing. R2 did the same thing. Oh, wow. It's, I mean, they're astromechs. They're full of scanners and probes and stuff like that. It's not surprising they'd have a little 
detachable camera drone. I love it. Mm. I love it. Mm. Disney's going to make that the next expensive thing that we have to buy. Uh, <laughs> or just you. But just me, yeah. No, no, Darcy's got a droid army. He's buying all the droids. Um, <laughs> but this episode, uh, this was outstanding. I think this episode, for me personally, and you guys can chime in as well, but I think this is my favorite episode of the season, actually. Yes. Uh, and I, I think it encapsulates everything that I want from this show without getting too silly. I think it it, it, it still has the silliness of Gorian Shard and, and Smee, but I think that really fits. And uh, overall, I just think... It was great combat, really memorable moments between these characters, and just a, a a good sort of complete side plot episode. Like it felt like it 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 fit really but well it, within it, the story. It didn't yes. feel like they were going, um, you know, kind of off the beaten path. It kind of felt right. like it was just put perfectly in the middle, and it was purposeful. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think this is, you know, we I, we gave five out of five for for episode four, and I think. Episode five is another five out of five. Yeah. The two really do work off of each other well, and the payoff in, in episode five with with the the battle over Navarro, um, it was it was perfect. In in many ways, I, like I was saying before, I, this is a stronger finale, if you will, to sure. it because I think the next three episodes kind of uh, neander. And, and as much as we've been talking about the Mandalorian for the first five episodes and. Finding the way, I feel like the last three episodes kind of lose the way of of the story and, and understanding, uh, just, mm. you know, rushing things to get them to a more conclusive uh, ending, uh, which, you know, again, some of it works, but some of it doesn't. But I feel like this this felt like a really great payoff to all the themes that we had been seeing played out mm -hmm. in the episodes before really coming uh, at head here and, uh, you know, really, you know, giving us a one of the best, I think, action-packed episodes of The Mandalorian. And, and kudos to Peter Ramsey, man. Just bravo. Absolutely. Well, so let's let's talk about these uh, next three episodes really quickly so that we can get them done uh, and just speed through them and not really take time uh, with any of these. Mo no, I'm just kidding. Um, we're going we're gonna to take some time here. Um, but uh, episode six, chapter 22, Guns for Hire, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, um, let's kick it off with the Romeo and Juliet. I loved, I love this little Romeo and Juliet opener between the Mon Cal Prince and the, the Aqualish. And I think it immediately sets the tone for this episode, uh, in a way that I didn't realize at the time watching it, that it was setting the tone for this episode. I was like, that's a really kooky, goofy thing. And you see them with their tentacle faced embraced, yeah, uh, where they're, Corrin, dude. <laughs> oh, it's Corrin. Oh my gosh. I feel so terrible. They're going to cancel me now. Um, but, um, <laughs> no, I think honestly the, I thought it was really, really beautiful the way that they, they kind of, I, I would watch a whole, uh, you know, can we get a There's romantic rom -com. comedy? There, yeah. yeah. There you go. Star Wars rom-com rom yeah. with a Corrin. Do a Valentine's and, day special just for right? eight. And yeah, you can sit there with a box of tissue and cry. <laughs> I would uh, love it. I would love it. I, would I, love I don't it. know. Like like you said, like this. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> um, I, I chuckled. I definitely chuckled. And I, I was like, OK, this like you said, it does set the tone for what is going to be a very bizarro episode uh, that feels um, in a way bottleneck, like sort of removed from everything else that has has been go that has been going on right here at episode six, the way it kind of does a shift tonally um it 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 kind of feels different from the entire season right um well but, we, you know. we watched uh you know i watched this this uh i believe i watched this on the plane 
to celebration i'm pretty sure or was or was uh, in the hotel i can't remember um but this episode uh darcy and i rewatched actually um as we sat down with our chosen uh noodles uh you know chicken katsu curry noodles were phenomenal uh sitting in like the sort of food area of celebration star wars celebration uh and getting to sit there and watch darcy's reaction to seeing for the first time in Star Wars Jack Black uh, and Lizzo as Captain Bombardier and the Duchess. Uh, Darcy, what was that moment like for you? See, you know, hearing his voice, did you immediately catch it, or did you did it take a little, uh, you know, a moment to see him to to kind of realize that he's there? Oh no! As, as as soon as you hear him, you know who it is, and I I love <laughs> it. Again, you're just saying, Justin, how Star Wars can be funny, and to me, this episode was the perfect encapsulation of Star Wars can be funny. Yeah, because I enjoyed it. I really did. And well, it does feel like a departure from the rest of the season. I feel like it was always needed. We got such a big payoff. This was just a more lighter side adventure while still kind of moving the story along towards the end of the episode. So, again, I really enjoyed this one. It was great. Jack Black makes anything better, if you ask me. So yeah. good. And, and, and to be clear, I, I think that this is what I appreciate about Star Wars is that it can get a little silly. It can, you know, kind of not take itself seriously and have a little fun with it. And do a little, you know, side adventure. That's that's completely fine. That is completely fine. But like you said, towards the end, as it moves the story forward, that's where my problem is with this episode. More Absolutely, than Justin. Else. I actually think the the parts of this episode that a lot of people are having problems with, with online. I don't have a problem with. Yeah, it's the opposite. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I actually Jack like Black. it more. Yeah, yeah. I loved having Jack Black. I loved having Lizzo. I think it was great to have these cameos and. Open the sandbox. Let actors who are just like how you're letting directors come in and who are fans to take part in telling the stories in Star Wars. Have have actors who are like, yeah, I would love to play a stormtrooper like Jason Sudeikis, right? Or you know, have have Jack Black play this regal, pretentious, you know. Well, and I love it, tidy, dude. Whitey tidy. He looks way... like he was a be a mama's boy, though, right? Like, <laughs> he's a, you know, like his queen, a queen, you know, mummy. No, <laughs> no, he 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 worked for the Empire, dude. He was a, he was a captain on the uh, so uh, he, Imperial. So maybe captain. it was a mommy. Maybe it was daddy. Who no. knows? Yes. Who knows? But I love I love his beard. I love um I love the way that he just says things. Yes. Like the way he's like, no, they were they they, they were my love. I personally <laughs> oversaw the program, like the program. Like he's yeah. so it's just so Jack Black. Um, and then getting to see Lizzo, and then sort of you know uh, learning online after she sort of was celebrating her character and getting to see her love of star wars and how yeah. much she's a huge star wars fan was just i'm like damn lizzo they, can you get cooler can you get any cooler how is that even possible and they just called her the duchess the you know duchess. that's just like that's, that's just that's like perfect. the star that's wars way of saying needs. queen yeah right like it's just like she's she's queen right <laughs> so it's like it was perfect i think it was it was a it was it was a smart choice to do and i also have questions about jack black could we see him come back you know could he hope so. you know could but like could he have secretly been working with you know Christopher Lloyd's character and you know uh very much like again we know that the empire is working in mysterious ways at this point it's still kind of there and like you said he was part of the empire before so it would be interesting if we find our if you know Din finds himself back on that planet investigating something and you know Jack Black's 
character is kind of in, in the midst of it, right? He's kind of like one of those shady politicians who's trying to project that he's good, but he's doing some sh- some shady sh- shit on the side. No, um, maybe I think Lizzo doesn't know. Maybe Lizzo doesn't know. Uh, sorry, maybe I think he doesn't know. I think he's fully reformed. I think he's yeah. fine. I don't. I can't see them making. Let, yeah, let the villain. Republic have this win, please. <laughs> <laughs> please, at the very least. But, but listen, he, wait, it'd be interesting to see him go as a villain though in Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like he's he he could kind of like he could kind of switch his character. It'd be very it'd be very it would be perfect for a, a jack black sort of thing right so i mean i think you're just saying jack black would be perfect for any role um i think <laughs> i think uh christopher lloyd the the sort of the one-two punch you know you sort of get hit over the head with jack black and lizzo now in star wars and then doc brown shows up um i was i just wasn't i wasn't sure what to expect next like i thought in the next scene i'm like okay eddie murphy's gonna show up and then jim carrey's <laughs> gonna be in the scene after that i was just like this is eddie just murphy. An, oh be phenomenal dude he oh, needs that would be dude hilarious. it's gonna happen at this point <laughs> i i think anyone can be in star wars i think they for can sure find simon pegg's been them. in it simon yeah. pegg's been in it you know there's again i'm just listing off who i can remember but there's tons and tons of daniel craig has been in, yeah. in star wars so it's again i like this idea like Actors could sort of be Easter eggs, either, you know, hidden in the background or very, you know, upfront and obvious. Like you have Jack Black and Lizzo, like just very two clearly distinct characters in this. And again, Christopher Lloyd, who I'm I'm guessing based on his his sort of uh, revere and what he was kind of doing behind the scenes here. He's a, a separatist. He, he referenced Count Dooku. Sounds, sounds like he's a separatist at heart, which is yeah. really cool to see, you know, living on Dooku finds after the fall. Yeah, Dooku finds a way. And it's like, yo, Filoni loves Dooku, man. Like, he, he's 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 put him in, in. Obviously, he was very integral in Clone Wars. He was even important in, in the most recent season of Bad Batch. Uh, the Tales of the Jedi, He's he told his story. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I think he's he's very fascinated with that character. So to, 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 to find a way to in, influence or for there to be a separatist uh, mentality here. I'm wondering if Filoni was like, oh, make him a separatist. Yeah, make him a separatist. Make him like, you know, like he's he's like old school, you know, separatist, right? And they were just like, sure, let's do it. Yeah, right? he's it's, definitely it's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's, I like that. It. It's, it, it was a nice touch. It was a nice touch. He's definitely not woke like the people of Plazier 15. Um, although it's some, of them, <laughs> some, of them, some of them are, yeah, some of them are a little bit... Uh, I mean, they're they're they're. I, I like the reliance on on droids, sort of subplot. The reliance on technology, um, sort of snuck that in there as as sort of a, a moral theme of the episode. I think you know the the people of Plasier Fifteen are okay with stuff breaking down. They're okay with with droids even harming others if it means they don't have to carry their groceries, if they don't have to take out the trash. Right, and I'm not going to lie. Wants to live there. That's Nate what I was just about to there. say, Justin. I'm like, yeah, minus yeah, the yeah, harming yeah. of others, I'm, yeah. I'd probably be yeah. one of those people. Yeah. I'm Nate, like, Nate no, 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 is, don't is, take away my internet. Don't guy. take away my phone. <laughs> <laughs> he would have a droid that would walk him to places. I'm sure. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Spider legs. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wally so this is a chair. This is stuff. what I'm, yeah. and then this is what I was getting at. That you you talked about the reliance on droids, and I actually see that as sort of a detriment. It shows that this society is is lazy in a lot of ways. It's lazy mm-hmm. in its mentality of thinking. It's lazy in the sense that it thinks that things can get done for themselves based on owning and controlling the machinery. It's actually sort of a dy- dystopia, if you will, in a lot of ways, if you think about it. So, you know, uh, as, and that's why I'm saying it, it's a lie. It's a, it's a sham. It's it, there's, there's something else going on on this planet that I think we're going to come back and see. Um, you got this really I, interesting it, it, 
conspiracy theory. Justin over so. here with That's the tinfoil hat. Like, like, I, well, yeah. like, I'm, I'm telling you, I think that there's, there's something that we could see come out of Plazier 15. I, I think but Justin, it's, Justin, it's I oversaw the program. Okay. <laughs> I oversaw the program. Um, <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, we, we saw a super battle droid run. Uh, for the first time, very Blade Runner uh, in these this chase scene, but I, I I was just like, we've never seen a super battle droid run before. No. <laughs> I thought that was an yeah, interesting. And like zig and zag. Oh, like, dude, they usually are just strong. straight lines. They can yeah. lift. Like I was like, this thing is well, strong, way more dangerous than than they made them seem in Attack of the Clones. Um, but uh, I think this whole episode, sort of up until the end, at least, yeah. felt very much like a Clone Wars side mission episode. Yeah, Which was, was fun. fine, right? Yeah. It was fun, and I, I, I think I was totally fine with it. They went to a droid morgue, and they pulled out <laughs> right. a droid, and they were able to... And it was like, am I watching an episode of Criminal Minds? Because this is yeah. like... It's like... It, but it, again, it, it goes to show how Star Wars can have fun with playing with those sub-TV genres in episode episodic format. Because mm-hmm. I think we've seen it in other ways. But here was so obvious. Like, when they did the, the bird's-eye view shot and the doctors, like pulling out the the droid from like some sort of cryo freeze or whatever and they're like looking at it i'm like this is like this is this is like if you were watching you know law and order or my uh you know csi miami where they're going to look at the body to identify if there's any any signs of struggle or you know any evidence that they that they would help lead them in the right direction so i thought it was i thought you know again it was it was a fun adventure but yeah the ending here feels like oh let's talk about it let's yeah, let's let's get into this because I, I don't I don't really liked how they handled just simply handing over the dark saber to to Bo. She deserves the dark saber. Don't get me wrong, but this was just all based on technicality, right? Well, I this mean, technicality is, this... like it's it's like what what like why wasn't that brought up earlier? Right, right. Like why wasn't that brought up earlier? And and you know they waited until this moment to just you know so that Din could say, oh yeah, well you know she actually is. I, don't know, I thought it was cool. I mean, we've seen that Din still is struggling to figure out whether he's worthy to wield the weapon or not. And he's had the time to think about this technicality now where it is, it does make sense in the Mandalorian culture to hand it over without a fight because that's the last thing he wants to do. Again, this whole season is about unifying Mandalorians and the way that they're able to circumnavigate this whole, you know, hiccup with their culture and creed by talking through it is kind of like, again, a progression of, this is what Mandalore needs to be, is more than a warrior, they can also be a diplomat or whatever. I, I enjoyed that aspect. I guess for me it was just like the it, it, it did feel a little bit um a little bit loose with the rules in in the sense that like, you know, technically you could argue that Grogu should be the rightful owner of the Darksaber because he bested the Mudhorn. Right, which bested Din in a way, right? Like you could, you could that almost was before he was the wielder of the dark saber, I, yeah. so that wouldn't factor. No, in, no, no, sir. it wouldn't factor in. No, he's right, he's right. That that's that's a silly theory, Nate. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I I know what you mean, though. I just think that but, like they they have been playing very fast and loose, and like the way I would have liked to have seen this all come out if I were to like have have the ear of John Favreau or whoever was writing this episode, but is is you've spent so much time planting a strong relationship between. Bo and and Din that in this moment in front of Axe Woves and and the entire you know uh fleet of of Mandalorian that she challenges Din to the to the dark saber and they fight it out but she's better she doesn't kill him goes with that that sentiment we're stronger together 
right? Here it just was like, for the purpose of the next two episodes, we need to make sure we get the Darksaber to the right person. So here you go, Bo, you're going to take the Darksaber. It just felt like an afterthought for a relic uh, of a weapon that, that has, has been seen in such like a prolific light. It just felt like an afterthought to just simply pass it to, to Bo. And I was just like, okay, this all nothing, just for nothing. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of Harry Potter and the whole Elder Wand passing hands is, is very similar in that Voldemort was never truly the, the owner of the wand because Draco disarmed Harry. It's very similar to that. And I guess that's why I appreciate this this route of, you know, again, using the rules to break the rules, which, again, it, that seems to be what they're trying to do with the Mandalorian culture is like you can still be Mandalorian without keeping your helmet on 24-7 type thing. But I don't know if this if this... I, you know, going back to seeing the first time Bo-Katan was given the Darksaber, right? And and that moment and, and how sort of impactful it was. And I, I get that. It was, we had a lot of time with her in many episodes to get to that. But I just, I felt like for this moment, it, it did feel a little rushed, like you were saying, Justin. I felt like I, I would have, this, this was the moment where I kind of sat back and thought, Hmm, I wish there was more than eight episodes of this this season. Yeah, right. I wish that I wish yeah. that we could give these moments that we were we were building up to, we were waiting for 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 quite a long time. Yeah, a little more room to breathe. I think would have been would have exactly. been nicer. Um, yeah. rather than like you were saying, Justin, we got to get the dark saber so we can get to the next episode. Uh, and that's kind of what we got to get to the finale. These, right, and that's kind of the what finale, these yeah. last these last yeah. two episodes. Uh, yeah. Sort of felt like. Um, so let's let's get into them here. Episode seven, chapter twenty three, uh, the spies, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. In fact, both of these episodes seven and eight are directed by Rick. Um, you know, I think uh, this was the episode that uh, Darcy and I got to. We had a chance to preview uh, mm-hmm. six minutes of at first, uh, and then we got to watch the entire thing uh, early with a crowd. Uh, and I will say, I was really happy that I, I that we did get to watch this. With a crowd of people, there were a lot of great moments to react with uh, with an audience, um, and I, I thought that was such a, a special experience. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Again, the crowds always make these things pop that like we had last time at Celebration for Obi-Wan, and this time we're getting it again, and it seems to be a, a recurring theme. So hopefully uh, next time in Japan we get Ahsoka Season 2 or something we get to look at before, you know, anyone else it's always fun i'd be the crowd so makes down. everything so much more electric <laughs> it'd be so dope it'd be so dope um but we opened with sort of the cyberpunk city opener um i guess that's just lower coruscant but it looked it phenomenal it looked fantastic it looked, it looked more blade runner than anything okay else. especially sure, i guess yeah. you know even even like uh alia kane's like outfit you know, she was wearing mm-hmm. the long trench coat with the popped collar and walking in the rain. You know what I mean? And and you know, it was it was very it was very uh, it was a side of Coruscant we haven't seen that I'd I'd like to see explored. I know that there's there's been games, video games that were potentially going to explore. I think Star Wars thirteen thirteen was going to explore kind of being in around that, that area. Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I thought there was one that did a game that was supposed to like follow actually Boba Fett, uh, and it was all dealing with lower Coruscant and like the CD side and, and getting bounties and stuff. And if anyone from Lucasfilm gaming is listening, make that game, that game sounds fantastic. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but I think this was a, this was a fun way to finally, after six episodes, uh, see Moff Gideon. Uh, you know, for the first time this season, no mustache. Um, with no mustache, we'll get to that. But um, you know, Gideon meets with the Shadow Council. 
um, Commandant Hux. They talk about, you know, there was a mention of Project Necromancer. Captain Pelion was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Thrawn's name was dropped. And uh, Gideon recommends new leadership. Um, I think... Right, live, live the, the empire. empire. He does that so perfectly. Every time we see we see John Carlos, he said he said like, at the Jean- when we saw him at Fan Expo, he said he was yeah. going to say that. Yeah, right. And so, he totally like, did. What he what he said it in the thing. I was like, oh, there it is. Of course, it's so in the good. last two episodes because that's when you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about let's talk about this the Shadow Council meeting. I thought it was really one of the more intriguing parts of the episode. I think um, Project Necromancer has to be the it's the it, that is the somehow. In somehow Palpatine has returned. That's the thing that we've been talking about in Bad Batch. We've been talking about this entire time, uh, and the way that it was discussed, um, you know, was that Thrawn would. Thrawn is ultimately what they're they're looking at is a placeholder until Palpatine can return. But I think in this moment, we sort of also in this in these next two episodes, we learn that Gideon he wants to be either that placeholder or just he just wants to be the next emperor uh and he kind of it's almost kind of like he's like he sort of stole someone's homework like he looked over at commandant hux's like journal or whatever and was like oh that's a that's some good stuff i'm gonna just borrow a scientist here and there and i'll uh i'll do that myself um but uh but no what did you guys think of this shadow council meeting darcy what did you think of Project Necromancer. I know the entire crowd when Thrawn was mentioned, everyone was like, "Ah!" <laughs> everyone freaked out. Of course, this was before uh, the the um, Ahsoka panel. But uh, yeah, what did you think of this Shadow Council meeting? I mean, it was wicked. Again, hearing Thrawn mentioned any time in Star Wars gets me excited, especially with <laughs> what we got later on that weekend, with right? The reveal of Thrawn coming to live action. So yeah, that, understandable why that got such a big pop, and I loved it just as much as everyone else in the crowd. The shadow cancel thing is really cool because it shows how, like, in other stories and stuff like that, they talk about these remnants of the Empire, and you think that they're all just working on their own, but secretly they're working together. It's just, it goes to show how the First Order came about mm-hmm. because there was this lasting yep. you know, coalition behind the scenes. Yes. It just, it's, it, it, it's answering all these so, questions that are posed by the sequel trilogy. So, you know, and the biggest question about this episode is that, you know, it says spies. It's called, it's called The Spies. Right. And a lot of people took, you know, Elia Kane as, as a spy and everyone was wondering who the other spies were. I think this this group, this shadow council is the spies. Uh, mm. They are the ones that are sort of working within the the system of of, you know, tr- you know, hiding from the New Republic while also still kind of working within other factions of of, you know, getting things running for you know the next uh iteration of what will be the the first order i th- i think at least because it's just it's weird that you know it's called spies right and you know uh, there's the plural i was i was under the impression it was going to be the armorer uh just going to throw that out there that mm. she was a spy for gideon um especially even the way gideon says to ally kane like which mandalorians mm. which mandalorians right i was like oh are you like saying like you got some friendly Mandalorians on your side? Right. Um, seeing the Shadow Council, you know, um, like you said, Darcy, this this you know looming doom that's behind the scenes pulling the threads that will inevitably lead to uh, the the rise of the First Order. Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm curious, like this Necromancer thing. It sounds like so Hux is into it, but I thought 
Hux is, I guess, I guess the next iteration of Hux is not. Well, this be is his cloning. dad, right? This is Commandant. Yeah, but he's Hux? not. Yeah, Commandant Hux. He's into cloning, but then, then Hux from the sequel trilogy, he's not into cloning. He was in. He hates clones. Yeah, exactly. The I mean, also Hux's father was also involved in the brainwashing of the children that became the stormtroopers that Finn was a part of. So I'm not sure how he gets from this cloning supporter to there, because again. In the Phasma book, you really get into his backstory about how he weaponizes children from an early age. Yeah, that's that's what I was curious to know. So it's it's interesting that that Hux ha- is involved in this, and I don't know. Maybe there's a sense of like he doesn't believe that it's achievable. You yeah, know, it's interesting. I, know. I was just yeah. looking up. Um, Screen Rant has a really wonderful article on General Hux and uh, and and his his father and how they have that such differentiating views on clones um and one of the things that they're sort of looking at is the idea that you know it's it's very possible that he has such a a hatred for that idea and that concept because his father was so was so a part of it and so committed to it and probably that probably took him away from being a dad from being a great father sure um which is such a a common theme in in star wars yeah daddy Um, problems i know right daddy problems (laughs) so so no but so i think i think that makes a lot of sense right is the idea that that yeah Yeah. his his hatred for the clones comes from his probably his father's obsession and i really think that's a really cool idea and and he's probably the one who might kill the program Right. And, you know, the program. Pull, pull, pull. <laughs> the program. Yeah. So, but it'll be interesting to see how Necromancer evolves because what's clear out of these episodes, at least, is that it was only serving a purpose for, for, for Moff in the end. Right. So, yes. 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 Let's talk about that. Uh, IG 12 uh, is now here. Yes. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> and I I know that got a huge pop. Everyone was just like, that was, is so laughing. Yeah. Oh, oh laughing. Nate was laughing a lot. I yeah. was on the floor, dude. I was on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, I was loving this. Our, I, Darcy and I immediately looked at each other and like, we were telepathically, we were thinking like, oh my gosh, Megan's head is going to explode when she sees little Grogu just, yes, yes. Um, Cause how incredibly adorable is that moment. Um, and I love the, the, when he tries to take the fruit and Din's just like, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this at all. Like this is not working for me. <laughs> it's just like, it's so freaking good. I, I was, I was happy to see where eventually that, that ended up. Um, but for the time being, at least for these, these two episodes, um, I think it was a, a good call and it was a lot of fun to sort of see that little, little dude little yeah. grow dude <laughs> it was adorable too because i think a lot of people were thinking oh is he gonna say his first words is he gonna is he gonna say his first words and they they literally put him in this this like mech suit of ig11 and, you know and he's just he just has only two simple commands that he can orchestrate and i just love how he's he's in instinctually like he, you know as soon as like grief puts him in right uh, din's just like no no I, this isn't gonna work and then he's like no He's like, what do you mean, no? You don't tell me no. <laughs> <It's so good>. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I don't like face. this. He's like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. So it de- you could definitely see it's like a it's like a kid getting into a toy that, you know, it, dad's going to have to buy. And it's just like, no, 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 no. You're not getting this toy. Not this, this toy. <laughs> uh, fine. You can keep the damn toy. Thanks, grief. <laughs> I got to put up Seriously. with all this grief now. Jeez. Uh, um, and then, I mean, to, to see... Mandalorians still on Mandalore uh, in this episode, waiting for their leader to return. Um, I thought it was crazy, and they're still loyal to Bo-Katan. Um, I mean, Darcy, how could the how would 
how would these folks have survived uh, all this time? You know, I mean, I guess is it again? This is this is the message of like Mandalorians are stronger together, and and that's maybe why. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, we they do touch on it in the, in the finale about how they managed to survive and stuff like that, but it, it makes sense. I mean, like of course, the, what the happened to the planet was horrible and stuff like that, but obviously, it wasn't that bad if other races were able to thrive and function underneath the surface so what's to say that other mandalorians couldn't find these old caverns and, and hide out there so i mean it's really cool to see them and the fact that they created like a, a new mandalorian culture almost as as pilgrims traveling this you know wasteland of a planet now it's it was really it's really cool to see again the future if you will of the mandalorians this is, this is the mad max mandalorian version yeah uh, yeah you know but it also reminded me of uh, an episode of of rebels i just got to it's a uh, season two episode three the lost commanders when when they uh meet up with rex wolf and uh, uh i can't remember who the other character is He's gregor. gregor gregor yeah <laughs> and gregor and it's and you know like this felt very familiar to that but you know again as we get to the end of this episode um you know there is a, a pretty sweet reveal but i don't know it, it, the one thing that i kept thinking about was like they were there all along but they didn't they didn't recognize or see any imperial elements do you know what i mean like well, i mean it, most I guess of it's their a big civilization planet. was destroyed yeah it's a big i guess planet. it's a big they planet, lost but... a lot of their technology there's issues with communications i mean this is not just like a regular planet shit has gone on here and yeah. there's no and they, longer they are operating a, a under the place. surface fine they're operating under the yeah. surface but like it's pretty interesting how they inevitably found it do you know what I mean they just found it? You know what I mean the the entry point into this this military base. But it was a really interesting moment where you do realize well they they've been there all along. Um, so if they've been there, if you know if Moff's been there all along and these guys have been there, you, you're telling me they haven't seen. Well, any I think anything? I think the idea is you know I actually don't think that they were that they necessarily did too much traveling around the planet. I would imagine if you've if you're able to find resources or you're able to grow resources in one specific spot that's it stay you stay there spot. you stay there why would you go anywhere else if you if you find water if you find food there's really no reason i feel like their, their journeying was only only to look for other survivors i feel right. like to try and you know bring all the survivors together that'd be the only reason well, why they would, they would travel and travel right they but they boat. would also right and i also think though that if you're there for as long as what how many years has it been since a night of a thousand tears that that you know they've they've been there like you would you would imagine that sense of like okay we've got ourselves situated like you said why don't we but, try to find more survivors and explore the what's what's left here it's it seems thing because in the end the way they found themselves in that base was very convenient well i mean again if you think about what happened it was a massive bombing that that took place in the night of a thousand tears and the you know crown city of manor was the main target and that's where the base was Obviously, they're not going to go back to the site of the explosion because that's where, you know, your radiation radiation levels will be the highest. There'll probably be no chance of survivors because of how eviscerated oh, okay. it was. And they used, it was probably more like that, like stay away from this yeah. highly, you know, toxic place right. while we try to survive in the these these pockets of greenery that we can find. And that's probably why Moff Gideon put the base there is because it's a, mem- a reminder to our Mandalorians what happens when you face the, uh, the empire. It sounds like so, a really, I thought it was really cool. It sounds like a really evil Moff Gideon decision. Yeah. There, so that makes sense. Um, and I, I would imagine, you know, having a ship can come in handy when you're attacked by giant monsters. 
from under the surface, <laughs> which I totally thought I was like, here's the mythosaur. And then it wasn't. And I remember Darcy, I was like looking, I'm like, it's the myth, it's the mythosaur. And you're like, no, it's not I was mythosaur. like, no, no, it's not. Uh, There's no horns. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this giant creature pops up and they have to go underground. And then, yes, they discover uh, the base. And these new um, Beskar troopers are wicked looking. Um, it's It's weird to me that the Empire wouldn't, you know, we talked about earlier the idea that like Moff is sort of like he's he's kind of cheating off of uh, Commandant Hux's homework or whatever. Um, I can imagine maybe the other way around. You know, like it, it, I, they maybe they sort of saw the design for this. Um, it is weird though that they wouldn't try to continue with Beskar. I guess you know, obviously, what happens with the end of this season uh, might sort of prevent them from exploring Beskar. Maybe they don't care about their troopers enough. Maybe they're replaceable, so they don't need Beskar. Beskar is also super expensive. That was like the whole thing is that it's a very rare resource now. Right. What happened but isn't that anymore. why he's there? So, isn't that why he's there? Yes. Like Moff is there just but, uh, mining it, right? Like he's just He's trying mining. to make the ultimate army, though. And the, yeah. like, the Empire wasn't about the ultimate army. They were about the biggest army. And that's mm, why they had right, so right. many people. And that's why their armor did nothing is because they were cheap. And just wanted the, the numbers well, and the bodies threw out there. Yeah. Whereas Moff Gideon's going the alternate route, where every body is an army. Well, so. these Beskar, these Beskar yeah. wearing troopers definitely answered the question of who broke out Moff Gideon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, that would make and, sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it makes sense that it, it was them, um, because again, like as everyone was pointing out, like Mandalorians wouldn't leave a sign, a trace like that. Right. So, but I think it's really cool though that you know it seems like. As you were pointing out, Darcy, Moff's big plan is to create not a, a huge army, but a proficient army that is is of soldiers that are are uh, well equipped and using Beskar uh, to see Mandalorians fighting kind of their own uh, material and, and what they hold pride in themselves. It, it's really interesting juxtaposition. Well, and it's a very again, it's a very. I think Moff Gideon he he does think very. Um, he thinks in symbolism. He thinks in in cool. You know, he's not just fighting physically; he's fighting mentally as well. And I think that's exactly it, Justin. I think him having the knowledge that this is something so precious to their culture that he's just going to take it and use it against them uh, is very so, much kind of something he you know is very much the empire. So what you're saying is that he's cheating off a of thrawn as well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There no, you go. He's probably, he's They're probably all cheating is. off of each other's homework. They're just the worst. Well, he's probably um, taking ideas, like you said, Nate, from from yeah. everyone that's doing different well, things. Well, even his helmet. Create. His yeah. helmet looks very Dathomirian, right? With the horns and stuff. And yeah, well, yeah, that was, yeah. When, Nightwatch? Uh, what was his no. name? Gar Saxon. That's what I thought when I saw the horn helmet. So again, another way that he's sort of visually... He, you know, he knows. Maybe he's looked into the history, right? He knows that what's div what's been a division or dividing point for the Mandalorians in the past, and so he, for him to kind of design it that way, um, I, I think that he actually makes a lot of more, sense. I think he designed it more as like a crown, though. Like it looked more like a crown as like a king, right? As like an emperor, as like to have a you know a very formidable uh, presence that mm -hmm. similar to of, of a Darth Vader, but. You know, the horns obviously, you know, could take from that inspiration. But I saw it as more of a crown kind of gives a sense of leadership and, and a sense of power uh, in it. And I think that that's, you know, that's probably why in a lot of ways the you know, the, the Night Watch he, uh, had the, the crowns, the, the horns on theirs, right? To kind of anoint them as like sort of, you know, knights. <laughs> well, speaking of a, a knight in shining armor, one that uh, sacrifices himself, um, you know, 
past. He's he's in the, he's a he's he's a thing of the past. <laughs> Is that what I was going for? It's too soon. Poor Ragnar. Um, but Paz Vizsla sacrifices himself. This was, uh, this was, I, re- I remember the whole crowd, you know, was super quiet when this happened. And uh, I turned to Darcy and I was like, do you think he's okay? <laughs> he's just, he is. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. <laughs> no, he's, he's dead. Um, you know, they build, they build him up in, in the, you know, in, and we were talking about that wonderful moment in the cave. Uh, and just how great he's been since Din saved his son, and now, and now he's gone. He's a thing. He's 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 a thing of the past, as I was saying. Um, Justin, what did you think of the loss of Paz Vizsla? Well, it was it was a good send off to a character that has kind of been, you know, you don't know if you can trust him. And like you said, after episode five, it was clear that his his allegiance was to his his creed, his people. <clears throat> he's a family man. Uh, you know, he he had a lot of pride, so they they gave a lot of focus. So in this moment it sort of made sense that he would he would die uh as a sacrifice that would would help you know the mandalorians escape and and you know inevitably become stronger together um but yeah i thought it was interesting to you know suddenly just pull out praetorian guards you know what i mean they're just like here we go let's let's give them let's give them like the ultimate fight um and they took him down pretty quick like it was it you know he he tried to to fight but they knew where to stab him uh, through the armor and through the chest plate to like to get him and you know there was some precision there so I wish we had seen a little bit more fighting if mm. anything from from this moment uh, as a bit of a final send-off but uh, yeah it, he, he'll be missed he'll be missed I know it hasn't been Johnny Fabs that's playing the the body of of Paz on set uh, he'll no. be doing some of the voice but I think it's even I think it's Tate uh, what's his name yeah Tate Fletcher um Katie Sackhoff was talking about him recently on a, on a podcast that I was uh, watching where she says like Tate, you know, he's, he's a, he's has a presence to him. Right. And even in mm-hmm. the, in the costume of Paz, like you feel that presence and he did, he did, he had that presence, even the, the slow head turns and stuff like that, the way he would kind of acknowledge things. And, you know, uh, it's a shame that we won't see him again, but yeah, I think it was a needed sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Paz. Paz. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do it, and then I, I rest in. I chickened out at the last minute. Let's get to this final episode, the finale, episode eight, chapter twenty-four, the return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Um, you know, the attack continues. They they sort of pick up right from where they left off in the previous episode, and um, we get that that sort of Mando hallway uh, escape. Um, you know, I think seeing seeing Din with his blasters or even seeing him clumsily, <laughs> you know, flailing around, around the, the light, the, sorry, the dark saber, uh, you kind of forget how good this guy is at hand to hand combat. And when he, when he rips that vibro blade out and then in like, a, in the same move, he blocks the blaster shot. I, that was so freaking dope. I was like, this is, this is a great way, uh, to kick off the finale. There was a purpose there. For Grogu to have that, uh, <laughs> no. to be that idea, <laughs> no, no. Um, so that was that was really great. But yeah, you're right. Like I think, you know, apart from weapons, he's he is. They've they've done a really great job of um, leaning into Din having more of a hand to hand combat style and being stronger in that in that style versus you know blasters and you know he's a great pilot. Damn, he's a great pilot. The way he's been flying. Um, so I, I like that, you know, in this moment we see a sense of, of like a return to, to simplicity with his, with his, uh, fight style. 
Oh yeah, I mean he's all been, he's always been his body as his weapon. The way mm-hmm. he throws himself into blaster file with fire, just trusting in his armor, goes to show that that like he is just he relies on the armor to get him close, and then he'll do the rest just with his sheer strength and and just ingenuity and close combat. It's great. I love I love any fight scene where they where they bring him in close and let him just whack people around with his helmet. <laughs> and shout out to to Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder for you know you mentioned the physicality of 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 Paz, but in this in these fight scenes like the the way that they're able to move and just especially in that armor you know i think that's one of the big things is like that's that's not easy that's very clunky very you know tricky armor to be moving so fluidly in so that that, i just wanted to shout out that scene because i think that that sequence and that that escape is great and i think the next one as well with with r5 sort of unlocking the barrier shields as he works his way through giving very very Phantom Menace feels. Um, you know, I think we also uh, talk about all the time, though, how much this show is a video game and how it's structured very similarly. And this felt, and Darcy, you'll you'll know exactly what I mean, but this felt like the multiple waves of enemies sort of style boss fight where it's like you go through round one, you go through round two, and then you, you might be able to pick up a health pack and you pick up, you know, you yeah. pick up a shield. And yeah. it was great to sort of see him uh, sort of gaining new weapons through each phase of this barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, I, I, yeah. My, my, one of my favorite parts from this fight scene is earlier on where he, he like shoots the guy or throws a knife at him and he goes to try and grab the gun. Yeah. It just like slips through his yep. fingers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was in the oh, first. Okay, well, I guess I was, another I was level one. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, was level so one. Yeah, it was in level one that that happened. I was like, oh, he almost had it. And then he's like, okay, I'm going in for level two. And then he does it again and he gets a blaster. And then he, you know, then he uses his shield. And it's like as he's scaling up through each barrier, he's gaining some new weapon. And of course, what was great too is at the other end, you know, the guys that are guarding the doors, they, they, they are anticipating his arrival. But then there's this smoke screen, and now suddenly, you know, Din's got the advantage again, and he slides in. Slides as he, in on his as knees, very, like in yeah. Fortnite. Was yeah, so good. exactly. <laughs> it was so good. It was it was great. Like, I th- I really like this sequence because it it like you know we we you, you were mentioning it feels like a video game at times, but. I like that. I, I think it's actually really interesting because it just it, it helped kind of guide the tension or keep the tension of as he went through each barrier, what was going to happen. Right. And when he he got another weapon, it was like, oh, OK, OK, he's got he's got a he's got a shield and a blaster. What is he going to do now? You know, what I mean? like it's it was it was it was really cool. So I, I like that they they sort of implemented that and it made that payoff when he slides in and takes out the last two like the last two um, best guard troopers. It made it really worthwhile. And, uh, you know, we were just saying rest in peace to, to Paz. I think um, rest in peace to that that one little mouse droid <laughs> that got knocked off uh, into the, the giant pit. Um, shout As out to R5. R5 takes off. Yeah, yeah. takes off with the jets. I'm like, He's I didn't like, know I'm R5. Here. <laughs> Dude, I guess all astromechs just have these jets, like you were saying, Darcy. They all got this little, these, these different aspects of technology that are just hidden away inside their little bodies. But um, at least he had closure to his story, right? Like R5 yeah. has kind of had a bit of an arc here. Yeah, which yeah, is really he interesting. Got the chance to be the hero. And exactly, he, he pulled it off. It he got awesome. to do so the R two D two adventure years later. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just goes to show age doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't it's matter. Just different times. <laughs> different it's times. just a number. It's just a number like R five. Um, exactly. But but, um, but no, I think I think uh, we also want to give a rest in peace to clone uh, Gideon number one through eight. Uh, or however many okay, of them yeah, that this, were there, um, yeah. you know, we 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 got to see that the entire time. Sans mustache, Gideon. Yeah, sans <laughs> mustache. But Gideon was just working to clone himself. 
Um, and he sort of was playing off to the rest of the Shadow Council, like, oh, clones aren't my thing. That's your thing, Hux. That's not my thing. Don't even think about, don't worry about me. I'm not doing anything with clones. And then as quickly as we discovered the clones, they were uh, completely wiped out. Um, did you think it was a little bit crazy how, how sort of fast this turnaround was of, of we, we, oh, they're clone Gideons now. No, there's not clone Gideons. Um, you know, do you think that this was all he had? Um, and, and like, did he not think that he'd need Pershing anymore? He's like, well, we got eight, so we're good. <laughs> That's all we need. Like, do you, do you think there's, there's more of them out there? Or what do you think? I mean, I feel like the one we saw probably wasn't the real Gideon. Like, oh, I'm yes. wondering so, if that extraction yeah. went poorly and they're like, okay, we'll just thaw out a new one and we'll, we'll say he's the real guy and then go from there. It just, or, it makes me think that we're probably going to see another version of Gideon in a clone somewhere else. I mean, it, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised what well, I'm saying, I guess. Somehow Moff Gideon returned is what you're saying. Yeah. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, you got that joke in. Um, Thank you. I, I feel like, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like you're right, Darcy. I think that the, the whole introduction of the clone is as, as quick as it was. I think it does seed the idea that there's another Moff Gideon out there. Right. And, the, and whether that, you know, I, I, my my thinking is is that after the events of that he finds out that Mandalorian are, are on their way to Mandalore from Elia Kane, he got the hell out of there, but activated one of his clones to yeah. to, to 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 continue the rest of the. the so you think he the, shaved his mustache off? Well, because he didn't have he the mustache. So cool with the mustache. He didn't have the mustache in 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 the projection too. So I, I right. I, it's so, and when to, he's talking to the Shadow Council, like they he didn't have the mustache either. Right, and I guess like how would you w- would the clones be able to talk like him? Would they know? You know, yeah, I think all so. the things I think, that he think, knows about the Shadow Council. Do you know what I mean, I think, though? Like, yeah, to your point, yeah. like you're saying that that the one who spoke to the Shadow Council was the real Gideon, and then the one that was on Mandalore was not. That's what no. you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was going to say the fact that it took him so long to find Mando and Grogu. He's just like, no, I'll handle them myself. And he goes through a door and then comes through a different well, this door is, so this much is, later yeah. on. Like, he lets them get there. I know. Like, no, I that's, feel like in, exactly. there's a lot of time for him to have yeah. taken off and, like you said, activated a, just a, a scapegoat type thing. Sure. I also think it's just things just felt really easy about this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this was one of the elements. Like you're not guarding these things, you know. You're not keeping them off to the side because he does seem really disappointed when he finds out that they did destroy the clones, right? And he that's where he kind of unravels what his master plan is. And what's interesting is that you know we were thinking, you know, this is obviously the 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 beginnings of what would lead to a Snoke and and Emperor the resurrection of the Emperor. But I think what we thought this cloning was referencing it, it's only specific to Moff Gideon. Like I think back in season two, when they can, when uh, we're on that base and they saw those canisters with those failed clones that looked snokish, if you will. Uh, I think they were failed Gideons, right? They were failed Moff Gideons that, that didn't, that didn't succeed because, uh, because of that now, you know, his desire of wanting Grogu so that he could make a clone of himself. That was also force sensitive and had the ability to use the force, then he would have, as you said, Darcy, the ultimate army, not a huge army, but like the perfect w- set of warriors that, that had all this, this capability, plus 
as he thinks his mind, right? Like Moff Gideon, right? He's going to, he's going to make Beskar suits for all of them and they're just going to be his, his army. So I think it was an interesting concept that they sort of showed and then took away real quickly. Like, well, you know, I, he, he just went, beep, boop, pfft, it's all gone. gone. <laughs> well, and I think, I think with, with, you know, you mentioned Gideon and, and we see how upset he does get about the clones. You know, if, if this was, if this was the real Gideon and he had more clones, like to me, I see Gideon thinking about clones the way that a lot of people around the galaxy, as we explored in Bad Batch, thought of clones as tools, as, as, as weapons, as sure part of his army. And yes, he could be upset about it, but something in the way this reaction happened, you're right, Justin, was a little bit almost to the point where like, was he hurt? on a familial basis was he hurt in the sense of like his brothers are are dead right yeah, and course. uh yeah. and i kind of got that a little bit from that moment so yeah but i he think can't... they're really leaning into the fact that that's got to yeah. be a clone that's got to be a clone yeah. yeah but you got you got to think too he's not mass producing these things like he you know the they were mass producing clones on, on camino right right like like th- th- this is this is on a whole other scale so i think eight is probably what he ended up with mm. right that were actually you know viable clones right whether they actually are working i don't know but you know the who knows right but it's interesting nonetheless that you know they kind of gave a sense of closure to that Mm storyline a little bit like it's still there we know it's still there but everything we were seeing about clones weren't wasn't necessarily specific to to the emperor it was actually specific to one specific moment with with moff gideon right right i think that pretty much affirms what what that was all about it was copied homework. Um, you know, I think the seeing the um, uh, the the moment where they were able to sort of take a pause and show us before we got to the battle, like show us the the, the native Mandalorians have we kind of already touched upon this, but begun to you know create gardens and and restore the planet uh, and really sort of started doing the work before Bo Katan. Uh, and and you know the armor and everyone are you know joined them. Um, I think it was a, a really nice moment to see that like no matter what happens, kind of like you know Beskar Mandalorian Mandalorian people are are resilient and strong and they they manage to sort of pull through. And I, I think that was a really cool moment to sort of show the natural order of the planet um, will always find a way to heal. Uh, was was really good. Life I thought that was just a, a lovely way. Finds life a way. Finds a life, way. Life persists. <laughs> yeah, life. Is that, is that persists, what it is? Is what he says. But it's pretty much. It's, it's oh, pretty yeah. much no, like are, Jeff Goldblum is lied. Like life finds a way. Oh right? yeah, for sure. I thought that's where they were going, but <laughs> yeah. when they said persists, I'm like, that's what they were trying to say. We all know it. Yeah. You just get <laughs> to see like, him. We, we got to change it. We you see him laying it. down with his shirt off. I can't wait. Or, or sort of <laughs> shirt open. Sorry. Uh, or off. Um, but, uh, but we get to the massive battle. Uh, the, the Pelinor fields moment for Bo as they're flying through the air. This was, this was fantastic. And I think, you know, we yeah, were talking about awesome. moments yeah. of action. And I think, this definitely for me rivals what we talked about with the pirate but um but this was such a phenomenal moment so freaking cool seeing them using gravity to to kind of as uh, to smash their opponents to kind of mm-hmm. take them out um uh, was really really awesome darcy what did you think of this this giant battle yeah, again it was another way that i i want the armorer to fight more because watching mm-hmm. her just 
crash an enemy container first was wicked. So So this was the way that I've always pictured Mandalorians would fight with each other. So we basically got a Mandalorian war with the best star troopers fighting against them. It was great. Yeah, it was really it was really cool to see. I loved every. Every time they cut back to that, I was like, yes, more this... dogfights, but they're people instead of exactly. ships. <laughs> exactly. And that's what, that was what was really cool, because that's how Mandalorians do fight, right? Like, we've yeah. seen glimpses oh, yeah. of it here and there, right? But, like, to see, like, full-fledged soldiers, like a full-on war, uh, almost like locusts fighting each other in the sky... Um, it was great. It was this was this was really cool. I wish we like we saw some really great moments, but I wish it was a little more weighted that way. You know what I mean? Like it kind of like was here's a moment, and then let's get you off so that you can start closing out the rest of this episode with uh, Moff Gideon. Do you know what I mean? Like they 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 showed us, they gave us that glimpse. I, I wish there was a little bit more time spent there, but it was a really cool visual. It was great that they they put it in there. I think this is a a bit of a payoff overall for for fans of of you know mandalorians and and star wars right to see this this level of combat uh happening is is very very true well speaking of combat gideon facing off against din uh bringing out the praetorian guards i was kind of i was kind of like yo like as cool as it is to see these praetorian guards that's pretty cowardly to to kind of go four on one uh in this situation um but you know they're elongated uh, masks looked really, really dope. Um, but they're, no, seeing them and and sort of uh, kind of seeing this early version of the Praetorian Guards was pretty cool. And then getting to see them f- facing off against Grogu. Um, did you notice how, I think, you know, every time Grogu had the opportunity to harm them in some way, he he, he mostly found a way to make sure they just couldn't hurt him. Did you, you kind or of hurt other, that, right? or, or hurt Din? Yeah, like he did. Yeah. He he was pushing their weapons around and pushing them around. It was it was a very uh, uh, wax on wax off way of of <laughs> yeah. of of doing you know of of fighting, right? And I think that comes from the moments of training that he had with with Luke, you know, to almost you know don't if you don't have to fight, don't fight, kind of thing, mm. right? So, um, and I think he had he had surprisingly Grogu had the upper hand. Uh, over them because he's just so tiny and uh, he was quick, right? With his flips, <laughs> I I could have sworn he was chuckling as he was flipping, like he was enjoying it. It sounded like he was giggling or babbling <laughs> away. There. Yeah, yeah. I was like Mario or something like that. But yeah, it was it was cool. I, I think again, this is another example of just things constantly shifting very fast. So like you said, Mando, uh, sorry, Din and 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 Gideon face off. Praetorian guards come. They attack Grogu. Now he's off taking care of that because because uh, you know Bo's going to come in and say, "All right, you know you you go take care of your kid because this is my fight. This is the guy that I'm I'm supposed to fight, right?" And I was like, "Okay, let's you know now we're going to go follow that 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 story and now we're going to see what's going to go on here. It's just everything was very quick in this thirty eight minute episode. Everything was just shuffling so fast right through." Uh, that it just didn't give any real reason to moments, right? It just was happening for the sake of happening. Well, and I think I think <clears throat> a big part of that is the 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 destruction of the dark saber. I think you know, oh, for God. me, um, <laughs> like like Luke's saber in the Last Jedi, I'm pretty split on this decision to destroy. <laughs> thank you, uh, the dark saber, uh, because on That's one stupid. hand, I'm, <laughs> shut up. On one hand. <laughs> I think it's it's it it had such an important part to play 
not only in this series, but just in, in, in Star Wars history up to now. It's such a cool weapon. It's an ancient weapon. And for it to go out like this was was tough to watch. But on the other hand, it's also played a huge part in dividing the Mandalorian yes. people. So as cool yes. as it is, it, it maybe it's better that it's gone. I it just ha- it had Did to it happen. have to happen it like this, though? Did it have no, to happen? No, it was... No, yeah. again, like you said, Nate, this what this is a this is a Star Wars historical relic. Do you know what I mean? It has such great importance to the galaxy and what mm-hmm. it means and what it meant in this season and who held it. And again, it goes back to episode six, like just how they so like they just gave it to Bo again without really honoring what they had been talking about, the sense of of how you earn that leadership, and it was just simply passed. And then here again, we see Gideon just crush it like it's nothing, which I don't know if that's the sentiment that you really want to send it off. Like there was just no air for that moment to breathe like that, that we needed to kind of feel that. Like I get where we get when we get the moment with with Bo and she says, you know, Mandalorians are stronger together. Um, it, it That is kind of the antithesis of why that that weapon had to be destroyed, because the people make the strength not the no dark saber can can make someone stronger it's it's the, the togetherness so i totally think it needed to go i just wish that it they gave that moment a little bit more so that you could feel it because that is a that is an important you know weapon to the to the to the star wars galaxy it just felt like nothing right yeah well i mean now that there is a Ma- uh, a mandalorian who is force sensitive I-, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him repair it like grogu repair it down the line Ooh. especially with where they end this season off with him you know kind of waking the mythosaur at the and end and it glows there. green darcy yeah. let's go like if he repairs it and 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 turns it into his own his own weapon as he tames the mythosaur again i feel like he'd be the next <laughs> true mandalorian i think it'd be really a cool thing like i mean they've already talked about how I, I'm totally up with how important Grogu is as a Mandalorian the fact that he is now truly adopted into the creed it's it I think it's building up to this whole fact that we're going to see the, another great Mandalorian and it will be Grogu as a foundling well maybe he's going to be the Jedi Mandalorian right because that's yeah. where the Darksaber was born out of was the yeah. Jedi Mandalorian so it's like I I totally get it's it like, like poetry I think like, well, it's like poetry, but it's a starting new. Like it's starting new, right. but it it might not be something that defines this next generation of Mandalore, no. right? It mm-hmm. might be something that helps helps define Grogu, right? Because I, I at this point, you know, I know we haven't we we're gonna get there, but like you know, Grogu sensing the mythosaur. Like in my mind, John Favreau was really high one day, and he drew a Yoda character on top of a giant mythosaur, and was like, "I'm gonna make a TV show about this," and that's what we're working towards: seeing Grogu ride a mythosaur. And I think it's it's gonna it's it's gonna be great when we see it. But there's definitely something to be explored there uh, with with like you're saying. If if he's able to resurrect the dark saber, in a way, it would be very interesting to see. Uh, and when it comes, when that happens, will be interesting too. Like if it's in a in a really pivotal point when it needs to be brought back. Well, I love the idea that you know we all freaked out when we saw Boba Fett riding a rancor, and Dave Filoni's just like, "You've not, you haven't seen anything yet, you losers." <laughs> um, but uh, but I think you know we we've got a, a few a few questions here on. Um, on are they dead? Uh, you know the ship crashes down, and uh, and and yeah, is is Axe Wolves? Was that his sacrifice? Is he is he no, gone? He, he shot the window did, and flew out. 
Did he fly out? He clearly escaped. Yeah, he shot the window beside him, flew out and peaced out before he's with he them at the end. Crevice. He's with, he's with, he's with them oh, at yeah. the end. I just mean in general, do you think he dies eventually? (laughs) Maybe he died eventually of old age. That's what I was talking about, Darcy. Uh, Listen, I'm still a little loopy on the time zones that we all traveled through. Um, But, but you know, we were talking about it before, this ship crash, uh, you know, Gideon dying. Is is he dead? You know, I think that this is definitely, especially the way he dies, uh, I don't think that he's done. Um, Especially, you have someone like Giancarlo Esposito, uh, coming you back. don't get rid of him that easily you don't can't get a room yeah exactly right so and i think i think as yeah, who knows he might be doing the the fan expo circuit again and you know doing cons and i'm sure questions are going to be asked he may play coy he may play you know a little loosey-goosey with if he's if he's dead or not and i'm sure he's going to have some fun with it but i think he's he's very much still alive uh he was a great villain um but that jesus pose ah, burning i was like yeah that's that's cool but he's not dead well and and uh you know i think we got a really wonderful we are groot uh moment with grogu we are grogu <laughs> i think was a great uh little moment of him protecting them from the blaze very um rebels. very yeah very rebels very rebels yeah, with canon yeah um canon and he's saving saving uh sacrificing himself to save Hera and Ezra. But Grogu's right, Grogu's stronger, dude. He doesn't have to yeah. sacrifice himself. Um, he made a bubble, though. Like, he made, like, an air-wind bubble where the fire was just wrapping around them and passing them. And, and he didn't yeah. get tuckered out. So cute. No. He's just like, ah, he just sits down. And he's like, that took a lot. But. He's the Avatar, dude. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think, I think, um, no, I think this was a, a really fantastic moment and, um, the music was really great here again um, in, in this in this sequence, and um, I did want to just sort of keep going here though, where you know Ragnar finally completes his creed, uh, Grogu becomes Din Grogu. Uh, what did you guys think of the name Din Grogu? Yeah, I, I I pulled an eight. I teared up at this moment. It was really cool to see that, and I love how that like he will continue his training before he can say the creed because. Kid knows. Kid wants to fight, so let's teach him how to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's teach yeah. him in a way that he doesn't necessarily need to be in an IG uh, suit. Uh, I think in that way, right? I think we we got to see IG uh, twelve or sorry, IG eleven restored properly as the marshal on Navarro. Um, I thought that was great, and which means that we might get to see them again. You know what I mean? We might get to see because obviously Navarro is a very important planet. Um, I hope we get to see uh, IG Eleven again. I think they'll be really, really fantastic. Well, aren't they living on there? Like, uh, yeah, that's where, I'm pretty sure that's where that's where they live. That's where the Dins yeah, live exactly. now. So he's yeah. going to deliver pizza to them. That's going to be exactly. awesome. I'm stoked about that. Look, he's got a nice um, little porch. They're going to sit out on the porch, <laughs> you know, watch Grogu try to catch some frogs and and do his thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting too that like, um, shit, I had something to say here, Forge. Oh, um, I was I was watching online and someone was saying I was watching a video on on YouTube. I think it was mm-hmm. from IGN talking about or Nerdist actually, where they were talking about calling him Din Grogu. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like the first name; it's not a surname. So like that was a it was a bit of a interesting thing. But because Din Djarin is a foundling, his first name would be his his family name, right? Uh, because he is a foundling, whereas like. Everyone else, like, you know, Bo-Katan Kreese, she is a Mandalorian who has a family lineage. She knows that lineage. 
she is a Cree, right? So it's Ooh. like it's, it, it's it's just a bit, it works different for the foundlings. So I'm probably butchering how they described it, but I, I thought <laughs> it made a lot of sense that you know, being that he is a foundling, he's the first of his name. That mm-hmm. his his first name is actually his family name. If in in in, in that. Mm-hmm. So is his name actually Jaren Din? No, his name is Din Jaren. Right, but his, right. His, 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 his oh, but the Jaren. the familial name. So if is, he was to like first is, marry is someone, first <laughs> okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Bo Katan. Right? No, that's not going to happen. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't want that. No, um, I don't want that either. <laughs> but Bo Katan standing as the ruler of Mandalore once again. She reignites the Great Forge. Um, that was such a, an epic moment. I think that, that, it, that was a, a, a really cool that was uh, a moment to feeling. see. That was yes. a rewarding feeling yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. After this season, after everything, this was definitely Bo-Katan's uh, season. You know, Katie Sackhoff, this was her time to shine and, and really bring that character to, the, to, to a sense of closure, given the journey that she's had through animation and, and through the story, through, through Star Wars. Right. That we've been able to see, you know, in animation and, you know, kind of come to a, a, a proper rightful earned uh, conclusion here in, in the finale. So I thought this was a I really appreciated this moment. I'm glad that we got it and we saw a sense of uh, unity now um, amongst uh, the Mandalorians. So now that now that she's, you know, she's kind of in her place, they've kind of completed her arc. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do we see more of Bo? Uh, going forward, yeah, is there is there an a ally. yeah? Is she an ally? Yeah, like she's she she like maybe then she's you know she's involved in stories in future stories, but maybe not every episode kind of thing. You know yeah, I mean? right. Like I a, mean, Grogu's gonna need more armor. They're gonna be going back to Mandalore at some <laughs> point. So yeah, we'll see her again. This, she might not be a main character. Level. I can't wait till he gets a jetpack. Just gonna say that. Like, I can't wait to see what he's gonna do with a jetpack. Well, one thing that he did finally get in this episode were chicken nuggets, uh, and we get to see him s- sitting at that Adelphi base, um, just kind of munching on what looked. Everyone is calling them chicken nuggets. I'm pretty sure in Star Wars canon they were chicken nuggets, um, and it's just been so memed online for him to have his little chicken nuggies. But um, that whole scene with Carson Tava, just it it to your point earlier, Justin, like. To me, I was like, oh, yeah, so this is them repairing Rangers of the New Republic. Like, this is, like, if Carson Tiva is, if, if the series just stars Paul, dude, like, that would be phenomenal. Like, I, I, would, don't know, I would watch I don't the know. crap out of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think a lot of people would. But I, I also think that the show could be made stronger with Din Djarin in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think that this is the proper play. They're just adopting uh, to, it into yeah. season four. They're going to just adopt it into season four because I think there's so much going on, right, already. Um, which is why I think Skeleton Crew, like, got pushed pretty quickly because that was probably a budget that was earmarked for Rangers of the New Republic, but then they just rotated it into doing Skeleton mm. Crew. Um, that's just a like a theory. But Interesting I, I theory. Think, but the reality of, of how fast that show came to be, like you heard about it last year and now they're already completing it and it's coming out later this year. Do right. you know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty fast. Right. So I think it was, it was, it had a lot to do with the fact that, you know, they don't really know what they were going to do with Rangers of the new Republic. And maybe this is how they approach it because it's pretty cut and dry here. He's like, yo, the galaxy needs some help. 
I'm I'm around. I'll I'll do it for you. Uh, but I I get to choose the jobs. Okay, I'm gonna choose the jobs. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose it. And he's like, Yeah, well, I could really use some help, right? And it's like, There you go. There you've established what season four is very much going to be. I think it's going to be a return to more or less what we got from episode six, where it could be very, you know, adventure episode of the, of the week. week. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which by now, you know, if they do it right, I think in the case of the pirate. Um, and even a little bit in the in the case of episode six, like I think I think they can, yeah, I think I think that would be great. Um, but Din gets a cabin uh, just outside of town uh, on Navarro, or I guess what you would call a cabin or a, a trailer. I guess <laughs> and he's just chilling there. Cottage, bro. He's it's got his feet up. It's a cottage. Uh, he's got his feet up, and little Grogu's there playing with uh, with what we would assume is probably his next meal. Um, you know, do you guys think he doesn't that- eat it? He doesn't eat it. He, he doesn't need it. No, that's yeah. you know what he's Good gotten for better. Him. He's, he's gotten got better his chicken nuggies in a bag. He he got a yeah, exactly. he got takeout from Adelphi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but do you think you know? I think well, a big question that a lot of people are kind of having is, you know, now that this sort of, in a way, it kind of feels like this is a soft. It could be a soft ending for these characters. Like, let's pretend if they weren't going to be doing a season four, if they wanted to end it off here, they technically could with where they are. I definitely don't think that's the case. But a lot of people are speculating that it's it's possible that going forward, the Mandalorian could, much like how these this entire season has sort of, each episode has sort of meant multiple different characters. And I think they were trying to kind of get us as viewers to sort of understand that this show is not just about Din Djarin and Grogu. Do you think it's possible that we could be getting uh, future seasons of The Mandalorian without necessarily Din and Grogu being in every episode? Well, I think it's, it's, you know... We got the book of Boba Fett, and they still ended up putting, you know, <laughs> they still ended up Grogu there. In there. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean? So <laughs> I just mean, like, at the end of the day, I think what they've done here effectively is is they they have they might have done a soft finale, is what a lot of people are saying online. But it feels like I was saying to you, it feels like pushing pause on the game. You know what I mean? It's pushing pause on this story and understanding the sense of closure that each of the characters have had and where they're at, right. so that when you can come back to them, it will make sense as to where you left off. Right. Mm. Um, there's no loose. There's no loose threads. We know where everyone is. Everyone is. There's a sense of closure. I, I do agree with you. I think the Mandalorian, though, will explore not just Din Djarin and Grogu, but, you know, Mandalore as well. I think that that that, that is going to play a part. And, you know, if Bo-Katan ends up being in every single episode in season four, I don't know. Maybe she's in she's in, you know, fewer episodes and there's more exploration outside of that. It more about, uh, you know, Din and, and Grogu and how he's training uh, and that, those sort of things. I think that that's going to play a part in in making the show The Mandalorian as well. Um, but now that we've seen a sense of um, closure for The Mandalorian people, we know that where they are, everyone's safe. Everyone's safe. Everyone is in is in their little frozen in time. We've paused. We've hit pause on all the controllers. And we'll come back after we get through Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and, you know, whatever else is on the other side of, of Skeleton Crew, maybe Alkalites, and, you know, and then maybe season four comes out closer towards the end of 2024. 2025, I think, is probably when we'll see a season four if when, when it's ready. But it's clear that there is a season four because Jon Favreau has said he's written season four. So it's, 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 it's already been written. So, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of time. But I don't know. I don't think it's a finale. I think it's a pause. Yeah, it feels like they're setting up to do a little time jump here where they can we can return to these characters 
after they've had their you know period of grace Grogu's mm, learned yeah, a bit right. more uh, under under his new dad and stuff like that if anything I feel like they're setting up for some more of those like what would inspire George Lucas to write this master apprentice story with some of those you know traditional Japanese films with the samurai the wandering samurai going from town to town and solving problems type thing I feel like that could be very much what season four is with Din and Grogu going around and, and learning throughout the galaxy type thing and it's I, I'm on board. Again, if it goes back to an episode of the week and they do it well or they do play with the genre a bit where you have a fun episode, you have a gritty episode, all that stuff, it it will lead to lend to the characters that, again, this show could be for everyone. You don't have to like all Star Wars, but there'll be one episode that you really like or something like that. So yeah. I, I've got a lot of hope for season four. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm not, I, I don't think I've, like, as we've, as we've been discussing here, I think there's there's some great payoffs in this episode that feel earned and deserved based on the episodes that came before it um do i wish that it was maybe not as rushed 100 percent. you know what i mean but i can take away from this this episode the sense of closure and completion that we get um from from characters from from stories in in this finale because it it does leave us in a place of like ah okay well i'm ready to watch the next thing uh if we come back to these characters two years later you know what i mean i'm glad to know that this is where they are and this is what they're doing you know like you said time might have passed and maybe we get a a teen grogu you know what i mean I hope not. Um, I don't want a teenage (laughs) girl with like acne and stuff. And he's just got a bad (laughs) attitude and he's just like, no, no, no. Um, But uh, but I I did. I did really enjoy the Lucasfilm uh, sort of circle close transition. Um, You know, again, it kind of does, like you were saying, feel like a, a pause. But in a way, I would almost hope that now that they've sort of established that. The next time we see Din and Grogu, they start with a cir- little circle on Grogu and then expand out to show us something awesome. Uh, I think would be really, really cool. Uh, maybe he's just got things floating around him. He's, he's just got a like mythosaur. he's on a mythosaur, <laughs> whatever, um, you know, like a bantha. Uh, but uh, but let's get to the end of this watch club uh, with our rating. Instead of giving kind of a rating on each episode, we're just going to do a rating uh, on a scale of one to five resting dads uh for this season one to five resting dads uh and darcy i'm gonna actually have you kick us off for this one again uh, this season was in, very enjoyable from start to finish for for different reasons with each episode i love how they were playing with again the genre where we had the very political heavy episode earlier on and then later on got this fun jack black and lizzo adventure it was it it didn't feel like every episode was the same and i enjoy that it and I look forward to more stories like that with the the potential of Grogu and, and Mando just exploring the universe. So I, I really enjoyed this season. And while I do agree, some of the the big moments were kind of shoehorned in at the end there. I'm all right with it because I know that we'll get more stories that will have bigger payoffs. There, we can't be greedy. Star Wars fans are are typically very greedy, and I looked at look at things where it's like, you know, what, we got enough. I'm okay with it. This is a solid 4.5 out of five resting dads of a season because again i really i can't think of an episode i didn't enjoy all righty okay for four and a half there's a half of a resting dad somewhere uh yeah. justin how about yourself how many resting dads you want to give this season well I, I like like you said darcy i enjoyed all the episodes i think there was something to take away from it but i think overall i think 
I didn't enjoy how certain episodes handled things and maybe treated things as, you know, a little bit more fast and loose um, and, and didn't necessarily lean into what they were building up to. Some of what was seed planted throughout this, this season, um, it kind of fell off. And, and I, like I said, I, I feel like it kind of lost its way in terms of what, what it was doing with certain things. And, you know, not to be, I don't think of it as me necessarily being greedy, but just expecting the level of storytelling um, and, and commitment. And if you're leaning into it, it's it's more or less like how you go about telling that story. Um, yeah, I think the season started uh, really strong. It, it, it had some really interesting storylines that it set up. Uh, there was interesting characters that we got to meet, some motives that were established right off the top. Um, but as I said, like I think things kind of lost their way. They kind of started to go a little fast with it um you know i think the you know the way the this whole season started with you know din Djarin reconnecting with his creed and through that building a friendship and bond with uh bokatan who we all thought was going to be his enemy i thought that was really really great and the inclusion in this idea of the family growing bigger and, and them being coming closer as a unit i thought it was so so compelling and really interesting and like I said, I thought episode six was an opportunity to see some of that come to head with Bo challenging Din for that dark saber uh, to prove something to Axe and the rest of the 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 covert that he, that he was with him. But you know, they kind of just let that all go. They let that pass, and they wanted to say, "Hey, we need to get to a closure here." And I am glad that we saw a closure to. Uh, you know, a completion to Bo-Katan's journey. She she is the leader of Mandalore. She they reignited the the forge. That moment is is so great. It's such a great payoff to see. Um, the season was filled with great action, uh, great space dogfights, um, and great directors at, at the chair. You know what I mean? Like, you, say what you will about episode six. It was a fun episode, right? Uh, I I enjoyed the. The cameos and the campiness and the the cheese. I was able to chuckle. It didn't take itself seriously, and I think that we need to remember Star Wars can be that sometimes. But yeah, I didn't like how they 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 closed out that episode. But that I have nothing negative to say about the cameos or or the, the the sort of procedural style of that episode. I thought it was great. So I think that there's a lot of wins from this. But in the end, I think uh, the third season was strong. But it you know. It just didn't live up to what I was hoping for for specific things. So I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of 5 resting dads. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think this season has some really high moments and then some messy moments, I think, uh, in the later half. I think it's a little top-heavy in terms of my own personal enjoyment for it. Um, I think we got some, you know, like you were saying, some of the best space combat, some of the best aerial combat I've ever seen in Star Wars, just thinking back to some of those moments in, in the previous episodes were just absolutely incredible. Um, we had some fantastic growth for Grogu early on in the season. I think um, that Keller and Beck reveal was so deserved and so lovely and something that I, I think we could only see in a show like this um, was so, so excellent. Uh, I think I think some of the logic and the decisions, like you were saying, Justin, it very much felt like a race to the finish to clear up these storylines that I I personally thought could have they could have pushed out more. Yeah, yeah, I think we could have even gotten to like halfway through season four before we got to some of these moments or some of these storylines being cleaned up. Um, and as much as that worries me, it also does kind of excite me a little bit at the same time. I think Dave Filoni and John Favreau 
you know, they're they're great at what they do. So if 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 what comes next is 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 good enough, if it's a good enough reason to kind of get these other storylines wrapped up, then maybe I'll I'll feel a little bit better then. But right now, it, I don't feel as good about some of the decisions made in terms of just again how quickly things sort of uh, wrapped up. Um, but um, but but I I will say I think you know. I don't know if, if if eight episode structure is the best way to go about it. Um, I, I really do think that this could have benefited from being a nine or ten episode uh, season. Um, but I, I I mean, as far as the score is concerned, I'm I'm struggling because I think the show is so dang good for the most part. Um, I I don't think it was perfect this season. Um, I do think I do think I enjoyed season two a little bit better than. Than season three, but um, but I, I think for this one, I'm going to be giving it a, a solid four out of five resting dads, right in the middle between you two. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see, yeah, with the Mandalorian season four, where they take uh, Din Djarin and Din Grogu next. Uh, but that is it for this watch club for The Mandalorian Season 3. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, listen, you don't have to reunite your people across multiple versions of what they believe is the way. Instead, Justin, can you let the children of the Watch Club know where they can reach us by hollow message? Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or they can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for the Super Mario Bros. movie and Dungeons and & Dragons. We have a ton of interviews for you to check out, like our recent interview uh, with uh, Alyssa Waponatuck, who plays Tiger Lily in Peter Pan and Wendy, uh, as well as our interview with Aisha Tyler. Uh, and we have interviews out now with director uh, and producer for this series, Rick Femiu as well as Bo Katan Kreese herself, Katie Sackoff, uh, where Justin had the chance to sit down with both of them and discuss their voice in the larger Mandalorian story. So go give those episodes a listen right here on your podcast service of choice, or you can check them out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And, you know, speaking of interviews, uh, with it being May the 4th, we've got some special May the 4th uh, Star Wars-centric interviews out now with the folks from Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Uh, Justin had a chance to speak with some lovely folks behind that series, uh, as well as we've got our review for Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Spoilers, it's phenomenal. Uh, so definitely check out both the interview and the review, and then watch Star Wars Visions, because it is out uh, today, Volume 2 just launched on Disney Plus uh, as part of May the 4th, all the May the 4th celebrations and festivities. Uh, and then, you know, dialing it back here from the number four to the number three, uh, and it's also a volume, <laughs> like a volume <laughs> dial. I don't know. We've also got uh, some coverage for Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Uh, we had the chance to to check that out, and our review for that is out right now. Uh, so you can definitely check out our review for the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and we'll have some special interviews with some phenomenally talented folks from that movie uh, out 
tomorrow. So make sure to subscribe here. Click, you know, give us a like, give us a listen, give us a five stars. Uh, and lastly, go check out our TikTok. Uh, we got some wonderful TikToks out uh, right now. Um, and uh, and you can go check those out uh, at We Are Geek Centric on TikTok as well as on our reels. Um, some really, really phenomenal moments from some of the different interviews that I mentioned earlier. Um, so subscribe here, subscribe there, subscribe everywhere. Uh, Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, this, this is the way. way.